Hello everyone, this is Julio again, here your host for my God in You podcast and YouTube channel. In today's episode, what I want to do is actually a follow-up to the three video or three episode series that I did concerning the fivefold ministry. In this episode, I wanted to follow that up by talking about the Apostles' Doctrine and its connection to the Great Commission. So as always, a lot of material to cover, so let's get to work. Now, when we go to chapter 1 of the book of Acts in verses 1 through 3, you'll see uh, an account of an experience that Jesus had with certain individuals when he came back in his resurrected state. Now, this is huge because this would be like it was God himself coming back to the earth to teach this group of people a specific doctrine. And in the reading, you'll see this. The former account I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began to do and teach. And verse 2 reads, Until the day in which he was taken up, and he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. And verse 3 says, To whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during forty days, and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now, in this reading, there's a few things that I kind of wanted to highlight or bring out. First of all, as I mentioned a few moments ago, this is like God coming back in his resurrected state in the body of Jesus to teach people, and I'm just going to go ahead of myself, how he himself, Jesus, the human being, was experiencing the kingdom of God within as a learning environment. Now, we notice in these three verses that Jesus began to teach. And who did he teach? The people group that he uh, gathered were apostles. Now, notice that's very important. Why not? Why only apostles? Why not the other four gifts mentioned in Ephesians chapter 4 and 11? And then, of course, the other bold and highlight that I bring out of verse 3 is that he did this during 40 days speaking and teaching about things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now, we're not going to go on in this video, but in my book, The Mystery of the Kingdom of God Revealed, I share with you three important points concerning why 40 days. You know, why the Bible mentions 40 days of rain and Noah and all the other accounts about 40 days. It's very important. But the one that I wanted to highlight out of those three quickly in this video is that it takes 40 weeks for a child from conception to birth to get birth into this world. Well, 40 days is what, according to this account, it took for Jesus to not just gather these apostles. And we don't know what the number is. It could have been plenty of them. It could have been a few. But it doesn't matter the number. But the reality is, is that he gathered them for 40 days and taught them to experience the kingdom of God within. So just like it takes a child to be born from conception to birth in a normal pregnancy, uh, 40 weeks, well, in 40 days, he completed a very important process. And this is huge because imagine if you spent 40 times in church, 
In other words, 40 days that you go to church. In 40 days or 40 uh, visits or 40 uh, uh, worship services or whatever you want to call it, by that time, you should be able to learn and experience what Jesus himself was teaching during these 40 days if what is being taught by the fivefold ministry of the church you may be attending, if they were to teach only one doctrine, and that's the same doctrine that Jesus taught while on the earth and while he came back for those 40 days in the resurrected state. And what was that doctrine? the doctrine of the teaching concerning how to experience the kingdom of God within. Now, why did he only gather apostles and why not the other four gifts? As I mentioned to you in the other three videos prior to this episode, an apostle has the potential to function as a prophet, as an evangelist, as a pastor, and of course, as a teacher. So in other words, one person has the potential or the capacity to function in all five gifts, just like Jesus the human being did it, as I share with you in the prior video and of course in the knowledge that I have in the book. Paul experienced the same thing after his ex Damascus experience. So this is the reason why he, the, the scripture clearly says that he didn't gather prophets, which of course they were present on the earth during this time. Evangelists, they were present on the earth at this time. Of course, pastors or shepherds, uh, which in this case would be like rabbis, they were present on the earth at this time. And of course, anybody teaching any kind of spiritual indoctrination. There's a reason, again, why he only chose apostles. And I'm giving you the answer or the reason why is because any true God-ordained and called five-fold minister is first and foremost an apostle. And remember what an apostle is. That apostle is a sent messenger. And what's the message? The message is, same message that Jesus taught, how to experience the kingdom of God within. If a true apostle were to function in that capacity and then within the four gifts, and as again, in a prior video, I share with you what those are very simple. They're four functions. Then at the end result is they will function in your life as a teacher teaching you how to, again, experience the kingdom of God within as an inner learning environment, just like Jesus, the human being, experienced as a human being. Now, now during these 40 days, we have this event called, what we, uh, normally is referred to as the Great Commission. So shortly after Jesus' teaching pertaining to the kingdom of God during the Great Commission, in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 46, Luke writes that these new Christians or believers continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. There are three questions here. First, what does it mean to continue steadfastly? Secondly, what is meant by the term, the apostles' doctrine? And thirdly, what was that doctrine? Well, to continue steadfastly is to be firm in adhering closely to the original experience. In other words, they continue to teach exactly what they were taught during those 40 days. They didn't deviate from that teaching. And unfortunately, of course, much deviation is happening today. It is rare that you find somebody who will teach you how to experience the kingdom of God within, unfortunately, today. Now, the apostles' doctrine that they continue steadfastly in was the doctrine that Jesus taught during the Great Commission. Also, before the Great Commission, while he was on this earth for three or three and a half years, depending on what your belief is concerning Jesus's ministry. So truth be told, 
The doctrine that Jesus taught them was pertaining how to seek first and experience the kingdom of God within, according to Matthew 6 and 33, Luke chapter 17. And again, we see this again in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Now, how did Jesus practice his own doctrine? Because Jesus would have never have taught something that he himself was experiencing, especially as it relates to the only one and only doctrine that he was teaching all along. So the reality is we find a clue, and I have this lit up in terms of the different places where I show you the reality of this within all three of my books, where I show you how he experienced this. And we see how he experiences beginning in Isaiah chapter 50, verses 4 and 5. For those of you who have been following me for a little while or learning from me, you've heard me talk about this over and over and again. And of course, it, it, it's, it's important that we revisit this because this is, again, how Jesus experienced the kingdom of God within. Now, Isaiah chapter 50, verses 4 and 5 is a prophetic reading concerning Jesus' prayer life. Now, it goes on to say, The Lord God has given me the tongue or the language of the learned. Remember what the language of the learned is, is truth. So when you're hearing truth within you, you're experiencing the tongue or the language of God. That, and I'm not talking about speaking in tongues. So let's talk about that in another uh, event. But the reality is that word tongue there, depending on your translation, is a reference to language. And the language of God is truth. So whenever you hear and learn from God, you're experiencing truth, no matter what the subject matter is that he's talking to you about. And it goes on to say that I should know how to speak a word in season to him or her who is weary. It says he awakens me. How often? Morning by morning. Notice how Jesus began his day. He awakens my ear. Notice it's singular in many of your translations to hear as to learn. He's talking about the ear of the spirit. In other words, hearing within. And it says, it goes on to say the Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. A little caveat about that. Notice that Jesus would have been considered or classified himself as rebellious had he not experienced this experience morning by morning. So evidently, he learned how to do this as a child. And as he grew up, of course, as a young adult and as an adult, he continued to experience, but again, he would have considered it as an act of rebellion had he not done so. Now we have the New Testament reading of him actually experienced this event morning by morning of hearing and learning from God within his very own mind in Mark chapter 1 verse 35. It says, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Now notice, this is the same worshiping experience as what it means to worship the Father in spirit, in truth, according to John chapter 4, verse 23. And we see this reality by understanding what the word pray means. Now it's a very deep uh, expression. I have, of course, a knowledge in the mystery of the kingdom of prayer, excuse me, the mystery of prayer revealed and the mystery of the kingdom of God revealed. But that word prayed, notice it's E-D, it's a past tense a word, but encapsulates an entire experience of Jesus, not just talking to God, but him experiencing God. It's actually the Hebrew expression, palal hitha. And what it is described as is to experience worship by having conversation with God. This is why it's the same experience as worshiping the Father in spirit and truth. When Jesus was having the conversation with the woman at the well, 
in that chapter, chapter 4 of the book of John, it's referring to the same experience. And this is the, the type of worship that Jesus says the Father or the Spirit of God is looking for. So again, this is the same experience that he experienced. So when Jesus was going morning by morning to hear and learn from God, well, he was worshiping God in the way that God desires to be worshiped in the most effective and powerful way. Now, each morning and at crucial moments of his life, Jesus would find this solitary place so that he can reorient himself by positioning his mind to hear the Spirit of God inwardly and to discover his daily direction. Remember, this is about getting that page of a book. In other words, Jesus came in the volume of the book that was written about him to do the will of God, according to uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 through 7. Well, we all have a book. We all have a logos, as I've mentioned you in prior videos and, of course, the content that I mentioned in the book. So this is what Jesus was doing. Every day, it was like he was getting a page of the will of God for his life and giving direction as to how he should go, go about fulfilling that day. Now, going back to uh, Isaiah chapter 50, verses 4, verse 4 specifically, the word here in that verse is the word shaman. You've heard me talk about shaman numerous places. It is described as to hear intelligently or to acquire spiritual intelligence. And then it's further described as a careful hearing as well as responding appropriately in obedience and action. Remember in one of the episodes, prior episodes when I talk about how to experience God's faith, this is the experience. When you're experiencing faith from God, God is giving you a belief system that is in his mind, that is transferred to your mind. Once you hear it and learn about it, then you respond appropriately in obedience and in action, depending on the works that he gives you or instructs you to do in order to fulfill whatever facet of your life that he's teaching you about. Now, silent meditation is what primarily facilitates this inner hearing, learning, and worship experience. And this is what Jesus did. Every morning, he would, again, still himself, that he would fulfill what the book of Psalms talks about when it says, be still and know that I am God. He was still himself, not just physically, but more importantly, mentally. That's why he would go off into a solitary place that was absent of distractions, especially human distraction, in order to still his mind, to calm it, in other words, in order to hear and learn from the Spirit of God within himself. So this is why I'm a huge proponent and practicer uh, or practitioner of meditation. Meditation, to hear and learn from God, is the most effective means in order to experience God as a teaching spirit. So when we look at these troops, we can see that before and during the Great Commission, Jesus only taught one doctrine, and you'll see him mentioning that in John chapter 7, verse 16. Everything that he taught from his beatitude teachings, his teaching on the Our Father prayer, his teaching using prayer uh, parables, his teachings concerning the importance of being born again. Remember what the term born again, it means to experience your first birth environment, which is the mind of God within your mind. Uh, his teaching concerning being perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. And, his in, and the in-depth significance of baptism in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, all had a direct connection to experiencing the kingdom of God within. 
So in his resurrected state as a divine representation of God, Jesus commanded the apostles to teach all nations what he was teaching them, which was how to experience God directly through the kingdom of God that is inherently placed within all of our souls. And talking about the whole thing about the Great Commission, when you read uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, and of course, I don't have content regarding this in this episode, but I have tons of content regarding it in the mystery of the kingdom of God revealed, where a lot of people look at uh, go there for it and baptize them, making disciples and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy, and Holy Spirit as a water baptism event. That's only the entry point to all this, folks. The reality is that the deeper meaning or the deeper expression that should be conveyed when we're taught about the Great Commission is that when you're immersed or baptized in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, what you're immersed in is in a learning experience where you're, you're being taught by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit according to the function of how that lays out. And of course, I detail all of that information in here, but briefly I'm going to tell you this. When you're experiencing the Spirit of God as a teaching spirit, you're experiencing your Father. In other words, your original or first creator. In other words, God created your spirit before he cre your parents created you as a human being. Number one, when you're experiencing the Son within you, you're experiencing the same spirit, but as a redeemer. That's what Jesus was. He was a redeemer. In other words, you're, you're experiencing the redeeming function of God. Redeeming means that God is always trying to bring you back to him. God is always trying to correct things that are out of order in your life. And how does he do so? Through the third function. And that is as a teaching spirit. So when you're experiencing baptism inwardly uh, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you're experiencing the totality of the name. In other words, you're always going to experience God as a father, as a guiding, and as a teaching spirit. In other words, as a father, as a redeemer, and as a teaching spirit. Same experience. So in other words, Jesus was teaching them how to experience, again, what he himself experienced as a human being. So he was not telling the apostles to go and make disciples for themselves, which is inevitably the result when doctrines other than experiencing the kingdom of God within are taught. He was commanding them to teach the people how to make them, how to make them disciples of himself through his inherent presence as a teaching spirit. We see this more clearly when understanding the word observe that Jesus used in his mandate to the foundational apostles when he said, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And you'll find that in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. From its Greek perspective, the word observe is the word tereo, which is defined as to perceive. Its Hebrew translation in this crucial mandate is, again, this famous word, shama, which as we saw earlier when defining other key biblical words in this book, and I'm referring to the book, The Mystery of the Kingdom of God Revealed, is a reference to the meditative activity of inwardly hearing and learning from God. And the word observed there, again, According to the Hebrew word Shema is defined as, again, to hear intelligently or to acquire spiritual intelligence. And again, it's a careful hearing as well as responding appropriately in obedience and action according to what is heard. And what does it mean to hear carefully? This is what it means. In other words, you know, when you hear carefully, 
if you do this, do this. I mean, you probably know this already. But if you cup your hand behind your ear, you'll notice that you'll extend your ear. And what are you doing? You're broadening the ear, right? In other words, you're catching more sound waves. Well, spiritually speaking, is the same thing when you meditate. When you meditate, you're broadening the ear within. In other words, the spirit ear, the ear that we read about in, in Isaiah chapter 50, verses 4 and 5. When he awakens my ear to hear as to learn, same experience. And it cannot be awakened if it's not focused, if your mind is not silenced. So that's what it means to hear intelligently. So to hear intelligently and to acquire the skill of careful hearing that these definitions describe had to do with teaching the apostles how to inwardly perceive the Spirit of God within themselves through, again, a meditative mindset that result, resulted in obedience and action according to whatever instructions and commands the Holy Spirit communicated to them. In other words, they were to teach others how to be personally discipled by the Spirit of God within their inherent kingdoms that is experienced within their souls and that is completely experienced as a hearing and learning environment within our very own minds. You've heard me say this before. When you learn how to meditate in order to experience God as a teaching spirit, what you're doing is you're converting your body into an educational temple. What you're doing now is converting your soul into an educational room. And what you're doing now is you're positioning your spirit to be a student of the Spirit of God. This is what it means to have a careful hearing or to experience the observe that Jesus was referring to and that he taught the original apostles and that Jesus again was experiencing in his morning by morning habit of hearing and learning from God, from God for every single day of his life. And again, that's an experience that we all have the potential to experience if we train our minds to experience it and if we take the time to experience and preferably at the beginning of our day. So in light of all of this, teaching biblical doctrine is supposed to be a sacred experience that leads people how to experience the divinity and sacredness of the Spirit of God within as a teaching spirit. In the eyes of God, teaching biblical doctrine is a huge responsibility that should never be taken lightly and should never be done unless the Spirit of God personally ordains a person to do so. We see in James chapter 3 verse 1, it warns us of, of taking such an undertaking by saying, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we will receive a stricter judgment. Now, this is James here bringing a reference. So James would have been one of those that would have learned what I'm sharing with you to here today. James was also an apostle. Another one was a sent messenger. We don't read a whole lot about it, but all of the original apostles, whoever they were, the 12 and, and even Judas, you know what I'm saying? He was an original apostle. Of course, he didn't function after Jesus' resurrection in the other four capacities because he wasn't around in the physical sense. But the reality is, is even Judas was a sent messenger because all fivefold ministers are an apostle first. Always remember that. So contrary to popular belief and practice, we should never be unendingly discipling another person, as is the practice of many modern-day churches. 
Doing so will continue to disqualify the Spirit of God as their primary life instructor and Bible study teacher. The only type of discipling that we as five-fold ministers should be doing and that should be taking place within any church structure is one that entails teaching the people how to ultimately be discipled by God on a personal level within our very own minds. Remember this statement, I'm always, it always is worth repeating, that the original purpose that God created the human mind is to experience His mind within it, primarily as a teaching spirit. So those of us that classify ourselves as five-fold ministers, we are to teach the people how to experience a discipling relationship with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God within should be the only one who is continually discipling believers so that he can further indoctrinate that person according to his will on a continual daily basis for every aspect of their life. So by teaching the people other doctrines besides the only one doctrine that Jesus taught, which is experiencing the kingdom of God within as a hearing and learning environment, the members of the seven churches that Jesus wrote about in Revelations chapter 1 and verse 3, they were being tossed by every wind of doctrine that came along, which uh, unfortunately became their norm. Now, I, re I re reference Revelations chapter 1 verses, uh, excuse me, chapters 1 through 3 because I have tons of content of that too in the mystery of the kingdom of God revealed where I reveal to you the purpose of the seven letters and why Jesus called them false apostles and false teachers within some of those letters. And the detail is, is the reality, but the reason why he called them false apostles is because they began to teach other doctrines than the one doctrine that Jesus taught. And this is why today, and I'm just going to be very blunt and honest, anybody who is not teaching, I don't care how good it sounds and who they are, how, much, how many radio programs, or how many books they've written, or how, much, how many programs are on TV, or how popular they are, if, if a minister is not teaching a person how to experience the kingdom of God within directly, in other words, as their primary spiritual and life instructor, then they are considered as false, according to the letters that Jesus wrote in Revelations chapters 1 through 3. And again, I, I gave you all the proof of that in that chapter, in the mystery of the kingdom of God revealed. So without the true and original doctrine... These people that I mentioned in those seven letters, they remain in the travesty of being spiritually underdeveloped and unfulfilled, like many people today are experiencing in modern-day churches. Without the true doctrine, the same will occur with church members today. As a result, they may never be able to fully experience God, the ultimate lovers of our souls, through what Jesus referred to as a first love and first works experience. And this, of course, is mentioned in those uh, three chapters in Revelations chapters 1 through 3. And in the book, The Mystery of the Kingdom of God Revealed, again, I give you what that all means about what it means to experience your first love and the first works. Just a little hint. The first love has to do with experiencing the, the, your first experience as a being, which, again, is your first birth experience, and that is the kingdom of God within your mind when, by experiencing the Spirit of God as a teaching spirit. And how the first works is experiencing are these works that Jesus was teaching to do during this Great Commission and prior to the Great Commission. And what were those works? Again, how to experience the kingdom of God within. And how did Jesus demonstrate that for his own life? Morning by morning, to hear as to learn. 
in the morning before the day began. He would go out to the solitary place and there he prayed. So that word pray there again is an experience where you're not just talking to God. You're having conversations with God concerning his will for your life and any other thing that you want to talk to God about and any other thing that God wants to communicate to you about as well. So in light of all of these insights, what made some of these apostles false that Jesus talks about in Revelation chapters 1 through 3? According to Jesus, was twofold. First, some of them were never ordained by God, but instead declared themselves as apostles, which happens today, unfortunately. Or they may have been ordained by God as an apostle, but don't completely and effectively function in the other four gifts. And of course, I, I share with you in the uh, uh, three video series prior to this, how that happens, how one person has a potential to function in all five gifts, which, which at the end of the result, by them teaching you, what you end up experiencing in many times is that you discover that you too are a sent messenger. And there's also, this is where you discover the purpose for your life. This is when God is revealing to you the totality of whatever it is that he put you on this earth for. So this type of falseness would have also applied to other fivefold ministries or other roles in church leadership where people have either been have either labeled themselves, which again also happens, or have been ordained by their denomination or religious organization, but truth be told, but are not ordained by God to function in these roles. And again, why not? Because they're not roles. <laughs> they're functions. One person has the potential to function all five when you understand what they all are. The second reason that Jesus classified them as false was because they began to teach doctrines other than the primary doctrine that God had authorized the original and all successive apostles to teach during the Great Commission. The doctrine that teaches the people how to repent through spiritually immersing themselves into experiencing the kingdom of God within in order to experience the full essence of the name, which again is experiencing God as their creator and father, God as a redeemer, and more importantly, God as a teaching spirit. Now, I don't have the content in this episode, but the word repent there is powerful word. It doesn't just mean turn around, do a 180, you know, all this traditional church uh, teachings that we had, it actually means to go back to experience, again, your first birth environment. So when you truly repent, when you truly repent, when Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is in hand, he was referring to going back to your first birth environment. What is that? Experiencing the, spe the, the, the spirit of God within your mind, again, as a father, as a guiding or as a redeeming and as a teaching spirit. I give you tons of knowledge. I break that whole chapter down where you see this clearly. And when you associate it with other teachings that Jesus had concerning the Beatitudes, the born again experience, or that he talked about with Nicodemus, um, the experience with the woman at the well, the Our Father prayer, all the parables. The most important parable, by the way, is the parable of the seed and the sower, the parable of the four sowers, depending on how you like to call it. 
uh, in the mystery of prayer reveal, I break down that chapter and you see that very clearly because that chapter alone or that parable, I should say, is actually a chapter related to prayer, not about, you know, one preacher is preaching the word and some people get it. These people get it 25% here, 25% here and only a quarter get it because it's four grounds. You know, I've heard that being taught and I believe that. And truth be told, when I was ignorant before of what I know now, I was also teaching that same foolishness. But now that I know what it means, this is what I teach. And again, all of these things that Jesus shared all had to do this with one experience. And that is experiencing, again, the kingdom of God within our minds as a teaching spirit. So to summarize the three videos that I did concerning the fivefold ministry and this episode, let me just say this, that the purpose of the fivefold gifts that are mentioned in Ephesians chapter 4 is to experience the fivefold of the gift of God's spirit and kingdom within the human mind. I have a lot more knowledge concerning what I'm sharing with you in these last four episodes in detail. And I'll give you all the breakdown of the words. When you understand, you unlock the definitive word perspectives, you'll see this a lot more clear. So I give you all those footnotes in the material. And if you want to know more about this, primarily uh, concerning the fivefold ministry, I have two chapters in the mystery of the kingdom of God revealed, and that you'll find that in chapter five. That one is titled, You Must Be Born Again. That chapter is lit up with content regarding what it means to see and enter and why did Jesus say the winds blow where they blow and all this other thing. You'll see all of that in that chapter. Chapter 14 also in that same book where I describe the, the difference between the human fivefold versus the, the spirit fivefold. In other words, the fivefold ministry of Christ where now you begin to experience the spirit of God within you as an apostle. In other words, a sent messenger as an inner prophet as an inner evangelist, and even as an inner shepherd or pastor, and of course, all through an inner teacher experience. And then in chapter 16, for those of you who want more content regarding the, 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 the uh, seven letters that Jesus wrote to the seven churches, you'll find that in chapter 16 of the mystery of the kingdom of God revealed, and that chapter is titled, Jesus's Letters to the Seven Churches. So I hope that this episode, as always, has been a blessing to you, that has added some insights into these things that I've been discussing with you concerning the fivefold ministry. Uh, let me just talk up the top of my head and say this, is that when I was involved in traditional religion for over 20 years, I didn't learn these experiences or these things that I'm sharing with you. What I learned was only what I was being taught by those that were teaching me. And some of them had titles of prophets, evangelists, primarily pastors, you know, um, and, and so, you know, learning good things that, you know, helped me in different ways. But the reality is they didn't teach me how to experience that one doctrine, that one experience, and that was within my, experiencing the Spirit of God within my mind as a teaching spirit. It wasn't until I learned how to effectively meditate, in other words, to experience the original purpose that God created the human mind, which, to, which is to experience Him as a Father guiding and as a teaching spirit that I began to see what I had missed out on and that I began to learn why these human fivefold ministers never taught me how to experience this inner kingdom that Jesus kept talking about, that he kept teaching about, and that he himself was experiencing as a human being and that he himself came back in the resurrected state and taught the original or the foundational apostles. And another caveat concerning that, 
Do you realize that where they began to experience this was in houses? If you read Acts chapter 20, verse 20, it says they went from house to house to experience the apostles' doctrine. That's the most effective place that you can learn. It doesn't mean that you can't learn it within a church building. I'm not saying that that's not possible, but the most effective way or experience or place to learn it is in your house. Because there you can get into a solitary place, kind of like how I, do, how I do when I go into my place of worship. It's in other words, to experience God as a teaching spirit. And that's in my walk-in closet. I have a sacred place there that I go, and that's where my primary area of hearing and learning is. I have other places in my home where I do that. I also experience God in that way in other places that I go. But my primary place is actually in my closet, in a physical closet. So I go into a physical closet, and then I also go into the closet of my mind. And as Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, and I close the door, and I get to, get to experience secrets. In other words, the whisperings of God, Him teaching me things pertaining to my life. And it's through that experience that I now have some of the most enlightening and amazing conversations with God. And that's really the, ori the original purpose of the kingdom of God. It's just not so that you can hear and learn from him, even though that's the foundational purpose of it, but it's so that you can have conversations with God in those moments that you're meditating with God at the beginning of your day, hopefully morning by morning. And what that does is that it launches your mind. It trains your mind to experience the spirit of God throughout your entire day. You've heard me mention this before in the other videos that I have concerning how to meditate, is that when I sit to meditate in the morning to hear and learn from God pertaining to that particular day of my life, what I realize is that the effect of meditation doesn't just happen when I'm sitting down, hearing and learning from God. It happens throughout my day. It changes my thought processes. It changes my thought patterns. And all day I'm having conversation with God. And this is the reality and the beauty of this experience that I wasn't experiencing before when I was involved in the traditional way of doing church. There is a more effective way of doing church. And the more effective way of doing church is found in the church or in the ministry of that church, teaching and training you and everybody else that walks through their doors on how to experience the kingdom of God within as the greatest learning environment that you'll ever experience on this earth that comes with the bonus. And that is the greatest a spiritual teacher that you can ever experience, and that's the Spirit of God Himself. So if that's you, if you're not hearing and learning from God for every facet of your life, let me highly encourage you to get my reading material, and if, and if uh, you want more insight or more explanation concerning what I've shared here, you're, anybody is always welcome to contact me personally, and I can definitely uh, verbally, I know you through video, explain to you uh, anything that you're not aware of. I will also encourage you to watch some of the prior episodes because in prior episodes I have on my YouTube channel and in my God in You podcast, you'll see some additional content related to all these things that I've shared with you within these last four episodes. So if you're like me and you believe that there's more to this God and what you're currently experiencing and there's more to this life than what you should be experiencing, then that event or the, that experience happens when you learn how to train your mind in order to experience the original purpose that God created it. Again, which is to experience his mind within it as a father, as a guiding, and primarily as a teaching spirit. 
So until the next episode, always remember that the greatest learning environment that you and I have access to on this earth is already inherently present within our minds. And with that environment comes, it's resonant, the greatest teacher that you will ever experience on this earth. And that is the Spirit of God Himself. And it is through this experience that you experience the five-fold ministry of Christ for every facet of your life. Trust me, if you're not there yet, and you do what is required in order to train your mind to experience, watch how the totality of your life begins to make sense. So until the next episode, stay blessed and stay encouraged. Peace. Peace.